welcome to this week's episode of Weighed In. And it's a great week because we are building up to Betfair Chase Weekend at Haydock on Saturday. Can't wait. Plenty to get stuck into. We get to see the Gold Cup winner in action at Plutard making his comeback for the season. And the Betfair Chase is 18 years old this Saturday. What were you doing when you were 18, Kevin Blake? Not much. <laughs> Um, not, not smoking either. So as, as Dan Barber, if he was here, he'd be saying the best fair chase, old enough to smoke. There you go. Yeah. And what about you, TC? How were you looking at 18? Did you have any hair then? No, no. Seriously, <laughs> I, I, I started losing it when I was about 19. So, yeah, I was probably uh, going bald at 18. Yeah. Wow. OK, great. Well, in terms of the race and what we have to look forward to, only a small field, but... That doesn't matter because we do get to see a Plutard who's currently the 5-2 to two on favourite for the racers with five days to go. Uh, 130 Protector at in there. 7-1 to one, the legend that is Bristol Demai. Eldorado Allen 12-1 to one, and Frodon is in there at 22-1. to one. Uh, It's never a race that gets a big field, Kevin Blake. So I don't think we should be too worked up about that. But the fact we get to see a Plutard here, do we want a similar performance to what he did last year? Are we expecting that level from him? What you hope for Vanessa, like, like he's one of the very, very best horses in training over any trip. And and what he did in the race last year was just deadly, wasn't it? He absolutely smashed them up. So, uh, yeah, you'd be hoping for the same again. I think Henry's going to put him on a, a similar path to what he did through the season. And, um, yeah, let's see how he matches up to what he did last season. It'll be a high old bar to come up to. But, yeah, great to see. Hopefully, well, assuming we see him back, it'd be great to see him. And um, hopefully he puts on a show with Haydock. Absolutely. And look, we've had a few sort of high profile chasing disappointments in terms of news coming through. The main one being obviously Alaho out of the King George TC. Yeah. Um, it makes these events, I guess, not exactly a competitive betting market when we're looking at the win only situation. No, I, I was pleasantly surprised that five stood their ground. Obviously, we lost Royal Pagai last week. Um, I thought with Alaho coming out of the the, the King George, uh, that makes that race look very winnable. So I thought the likes of maybe Protectorat or Frodo might be kept back and kept fresh for Kempton. But hopefully the ground will allow, allow all to take their chances. It's currently good to soft, soft in places on the chase course. Various reports about how much rain we're going to get. It wouldn't be... It wouldn't be Haydock in November or Haydock any time if it wasn't heavy ground. But yeah, once some sites say suggesting 45 mil, others less than half that. So I think Haydock would, be, would love the fact if they got around about 15 to 20 mil and got soft ground and that would allow everyone to take his chances, health permitting. But yeah, I mean, that would tar two to five. Tells you everything you need to know. Absolutely. I'll tell you, Vanessa, just because it's not on our running order um, for later, it's probably just worth mentioning Alaho there for a second because... Jeez, I'd be worried there. Wouldn't you be worried? You know, well, to, be, to be put to be putting a horse out of a target like six weeks before, like six weeks is a lot of time in race horses. And if for whatever's wrong with him, if they think it's significant enough to know now that he definitely won't run, ooh, geez, also, I'd be worried. Yeah, let's talk about him going straight to Cheltenham as well, isn't there? I mean, mm, oh, we, we mentioned it on this show. I think uh, when the when the news broke that Envoy Alan was was going to go to uh, go to. Um, the uh, the King George and obviously in the same owners, uh, you, the alarm bells kind of like were flashing slightly there, wasn't weren't they? So if he, if he, the problem is that serious, it's going straight to straight to Cheltenham. Uh, then yeah, I'd, well, I'd and also worried. you know the fact that it's been touted as sort of a couple of minor setbacks or whatever they are, so it's not really. There's obviously a couple of, there's more than one thing that's gone wrong. And on top of that, you're looking for whatever those issues are to both recover in the same time frame, which doesn't often yeah. happen with horses. Yeah. And, you know, it's leaving no room for any anything else to go wrong. I mean, it's now, it's going to be very interesting to see how Alaho's uh, season unfolds from this point onwards. But it is definitely a worry. You're right, Kevin. Uh, let's yeah. talk about some of the racing we got to see at the weekend. Some really good chasing performances in particular. Um Van Bridge, let's start with him winning the Arkle trial. Obviously, the question mark about him stepping back in trip, Kevin, was answered emphatically. Jumping wins again. You know, he's just excellent over a fence, lovely technique, and he's been cut for the Arkle and the Turners. But this opens up so many options for him now. Yeah, it was lovely now. Um, like, he, he'd really impressed with his jumping first time over them at, at Goran. And um, he probably wasn't even quite as good at Cheltenham as he was at Goran jumping-wise, but it was obviously much more high pressure situation and he um he certainly out jumped all his opposition at Cheltenham and um yeah look like 
we tie ourselves in knots, I think, with, with trips, you know, trip differences of half a mile with these jumpers. Like, but I don't think it's really a big deal. Like, in terms of coming down and trip, you know, jumping is the most important thing. And if you jump as well as he does, you're going to be just fine. And look, he'll have great options going forward now. He'll have no issues going back to two and a half or even further, I'd say. But um, I'd imagine it'll be a case of chasing the nicest ground for him because that does make a difference. Um, I think he just wants the nicest ground you can get. Um, so you'd be naturally drawn to targets at Leopardstown um, because we, we all know how well that drains and you can generally get a, a lovely surface there. So um, I'd say the the obvious targets there will, will have big red circles around them, but um, others will be considered now. But you wouldn't be afraid to go, you know, two mile one against the best around. Um, equally, he'd be, he'd be just as fine over two and a half. So yeah, great. Looking forward to him there. Nice horse. Nice horse. And given that he's trained by a trainer who claimed to be giving up the jumpers at one stage, he's not had, had a pretty good weekend with his jumpers. Well, he's home he, by the yeah. Lee as well. we'll yeah, never, 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 never given him up now, but he's down to about 25. So yeah, when you when you win two grade twos from, from 25 horses in the weekend, that's um, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> good. Enjoy stuff. it. <laughs> um also hollow games, obviously coming out of the Martin Pipe, made a perfectly acceptable chasing debut over two miles one at Navin. Tony, were you in any way taken with that? The Martin Pipe going to prove itself to be a good race yet again from last year, as we as it always tends to be. Yeah, I was I was pretty unconvinced about him as a hurdler for all these. You know, he ran some good races as you mentioned, but yeah, I was I was quite impressed there. Once again, though, we you know people you know get uh, immediately kind of let like, get quotes for Cheltenham for for the horses. I mean, I, you know that horse could possibly run in. Any of the any of the free distances, you know, it's got formed from you know two miles to three miles over hurdles, and you know they've got their options open there. But yeah, as a as a as a chasing bell, that was uh, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, like I said, for a horse that I didn't have a great deal of time from over hurdles, but it looks like it could be much better over fences. Yeah, it's kind of a comparable case to to Banbridge in that people would have been concerned about the shorter trip from. Um, mm. Given that you know he plenty of form over much further and ended up over three miles last season, but geez, he'd love his jumping technique now. Um, like he, he's he's a big boy. Like I'd say, I'd say he's seventeen hands, and I, I just thought he, he was finding it very easy. Like he, he was kind of efficient and low and a little bit right early on, but uh, he he was a real nice transition now. And I'd say again, they'd have loads of options with him. Like he does stay well, but. Um, if, I, if you had to pin me to a distance from now, I'd say I, I wouldn't be surprised if two and a half ended up being a strip over fences, but um, that was lovely now. In terms of technique, yeah, real natural chaser. Lovely. Lovely. Um, what about another one of Gordon's three-stripe life made his chasing debut as well this weekend over the two miles four. Obviously, the shame of that race was the loss of Grand Jury and that probably took out the depth, really. Um, yeah. He's kind of unchanged for both the Turners and the Brown Advisory off the back of it. Why is he unchanged when other horses are being cut, TC, off the back of their chasing debuts? I was very surprised when I, because I, I don't tend to look at much of the, the anti-post prices, but I was very surprised that he was still sevens for, for Cheltenham. I, you know, I'd have probably drifted him out a bit there. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't sure he was getting to Grand Jury. I mean, you know, Grand Jury traded just above evens. And I thought Street Free Strike Life was was struggling a bit there. Um, so obviously the fall of that, you know, gifted him the gifted him the race. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be enamoured by that performance. Okay. Kevin. Yeah, yeah I, I I didn't mind it. Um I, I thought there was very little not to like about it. Like it wasn't a kind of a he didn't show a spectacular technique, but I thought he was measured. He was clever when he needed to be. Um, tiny bit left in places, but just just looks scopy. You know, the type to be a better chaser based on his technique. And like in fairness to him, he was a high one forties herder. So um, trip wise, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I thought, I, I thought based on his technique, you wouldn't. I know his form wouldn't necessarily suggest it, but you, I wouldn't be upset if they set him up in trip in due course. To be honest, yeah. Um, I, I thought when you get one like him that you watch him when he was getting in close, like he, he was he was notably clever, which is kind of what you want over longer trips where you're going a step slower. Um, so yeah, I, I quite like. I wouldn't be knocking him. It, you know, yeah. it was near it was near the middle line for Again, me. But you know, if you're talking about a horse that's seven to one for a, for yeah. a target four months away, I'd want to see a bit more than yeah. The, you want it, you want more everything in the prism of, of the current prices. Yeah, for, for my money, sevens is. Easily avoidable. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Team De Bromhead had quite a mixed weekend, TC, but one of the highlights was Captain Guinness winning the Fortria chase. Mm. Um, obviously outpointing the mayor, Riviera to tell in the process. Do you see him as a top-level two-miler? Do you think he could score at the top level over two miles off the back of this now? No, I think Rivia Detel is, um, you know, she did everything. She threw the race away, didn't she, to, to a large degree. But, yeah, I think, you know, the winner's a very decent horse, third in the Betfair Tingle Creek last year, and that's where that it appears to be. That's where he's going next. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can I can see that. I mean, I think he's currently a 14-to-1 chance, and I had a good look at that at um, that Tingle Creek last week. And, you know, when you when you think about what's going to run, I mean, Gentleman Demi's not going to turn up now. Uh, New Nebra, we might as well deal with that, that one now because that's going, that's not going to Sandon and that's quite high up in the betting. Dan Skelton said after New Nebra won, uh, won but also one to 10 in that free runner race, said he's not going there and he might even just go straight to Cheltenham um, with, with New Nebra if they don't run in the de uh, Desert Orchid chase over Christmas. Which probably tells Straight you to Cheltenham. The words none tells of us you want everything to hear. You need to know about field sizes <sighs> in Cheltenham. Um, so yeah, I thought that if you're looking for an each way angle, yeah, um, Captain Guinness at 14s in a race that again could could cut up, you know, a fair amount. Um, you know, is Shishkin going to turn up? No, I thought okay. if you are looking for each way angle, third in the race last year, this rate, this this renewal might not be, you know, yeah. probably equally as strong. So yeah. I, yeah, Captain Gates, each way 14s. Uh, for something's going for the race that could well cut up. Yeah, I, I could see that being a, a fair bit. Okay. Uh, what about Brazil? The Fred Winter winner was back in the winner's enclosure, Kevin, this weekend. Um, managed to overturn Phil Dore in the process, of horse we're very fond of, and has been introduced for the champion hurdle at a big price of 50 to 1. What do you make of that performance? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have him even in, you know, a champion hurdle that's kind of dominated by, by two or maybe three. I, I, I wouldn't have him as that horse, to be honest. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him up in trip in time. Um, like he, he's a kind of a he's a solid jumper without being a slick jumper. Um, like Phil Dore let himself down a little bit here with his jumping late and he was galloping on at the line. Like they've talked about going chasing with him. I'd say that would be imminent um, or certainly up and or up in trip. I'd say that they could both play to his strengths. Um, Brazil, yeah, look, look, he's he's rated 142. Um, I don't know, would he go up after that? Probably not, but based on the weights on the day. But yeah. um, I, I'd step him up a trip and, uh, and see where he ends up. Like, he's 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 a full brother to Capri. You know, there's loads and loads of stamina yeah. there. Um, so we'll see where he goes. But this was a, a nice return, great three in the bag. Um, you know, probably have to go in against his elders now and see where he stacks up. I, did, I, I echo what Kev said there. I don't think, having looked at the race, when I mean, he was getting nine pounds off a 147-rated horse and one by about three lengths. So they pretty much run to form. And I was quite surprised how weak Brazil was in the betting, given you know, given he'd had that run as well. So, yeah, I think he went off around about the two-to-one shots on the exchange. Yeah, I don't think they could do much with his rating, 142. Maybe I'll give him a couple of pounds, but that will still make him you know, competitively weighted in handicaps. Um, Tony, let's stick with you to talk about uh, back to Cheltenham, the juvenile race there. Scriptwriter won that, another good one in there. Uh, well, another good juvenile for Milton Harris again. He says he's got a very good yard of juveniles this year, even compared to what he had last year, which is obviously saying something. Uh, but you're not looking at the winner to, with the takeaway horse from that race. No, um, obviously Scriptwriter. I mean, Milton had a, a very good bumper winner and he's he just a very good, very good operator, isn't he? So... Um, yeah, I was really taken by Perseus Wayne second. Now, it's it's quite interesting because I I know everyone says it, but I am I just I view everything in terms of betting. Um, and Perseus Way, uh, Gary Moore's horse, uh, it was a good progressive horse on the flat for over a mile or two for Owen Barrows. When the betting was, there was some quite good vibes knocking about for him um, earlier on in the week for this for that race. And when the betting first opened up on the Thursday, he was priced up between 11 to 2 and 7 to 1, and the 7 to 1 obviously being the top price. So, but he was like a, just a monumental drifter. I mean, it was, it was like, but you know, it's not a thousand tiers kind of performance. That was a really, really promising performance. He actually went off at a bet for SP of just over 38 to 1. And so, you know, it's if that was any, any gauge of the expectation, 
they would have been absolutely thrilled by that performance. He came from off the pace, ran a really good race. You know, he might have had a setback, might have needed it. The betting certainly suggested all probably wasn't, you know, cherry ripe for the day. So, yeah, it was interesting. I had a look at the, like I say, I don't bet at Cheltenham at this, at this stage, but I was kind of half tempted by the 40 to 1 with the sports book. Um, okay. Now, that is the best price going. Um, and if, if, you know, if that, the betting was any indication that, you know, he wasn't quite right there, uh, I thought it was a, a hugely eye-catching performance. Now, it's not on okay. a level with what we've seen over in, uh, from Willie Mullins' horses, the like, and the likes of Cougar over in Ireland. But yeah, uh, I thought it was a really promising cool. effort. And cool if Chelsea right. betting your bag, uh, 40 to 1 for the Triumph Hurdle, I think it was very fair. Um, Kevin, let's talk about Home by the Lead, surprise winner of the Liz Mullen Hurdle. Was that was that expected? Um, well, no, clearly not. Like, but, <laughs> um, like he's a very good horse. Like, he was only beaten uh, seven or eight odd lengths in the stairs hurdle last year. Um, like he's just funny like as you see watching the race like that's him like he he I don't know if you'd call them flat spots or he gets he, he kind of downs tools or or he gets out pace like he's just he, he's a bit odd like and he's always been a bit odd um, like he, he spent a long time over fences and he just he, he would jump kind of violently out to his right and do funny things and yet he still got to like a rating of 150 over fences like so he's, there's an awful lot of ability in there and I suppose if, if you'd if you'd pinned us to the wall now, you wouldn't have thought he'd be capable of showing his best over two and a half miles. But um like because he, he just if there was four mile hurdles, like he'd be a champion. Um <laughs> I think that, that that'd be his game. Like, but um fair play to JJ Slevin now because he, he he was he only came back from injury. Banbridge was his return from injury the, the previous day. He'd had Very um He'd had a, a back injury, like so. You you would have forgiven him for maybe his fitness not being a hundred percent on point, like. But he <laughs> to give this fella a ride for 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 pretty much all of the two and a half miles. So um, fair play to him. Look, he's he's a funny horse. Like, would you put him up for stairs hurdle? I don't know. Like, I, I think he's smaller feet. He's been introduced to that market at twenty fives. Yeah, and, and an OTC kind of was was, make, was making a case for him for the race last season. He ran okay in the race last year. Yeah, like he just stays. Like he got a bit shuffled back at the wrong time, and that's just him. Like in like really and truly, probably small fields suit him a bit better. But you would have seen JJ there kind of switching them in and switching them out, and you know trying to keep him in room there just so he doesn't get shuffled. Um, there's loads of ability in there. Like he ever, if he ever got his 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 jumping over fence in order, like geez, he'd love him um, back in an Irish national or something like that. But um, look, he's won a grade two. That's probably a big part of the job done. Um, you know, grade one at Christmas, so over three miles. The the Jack de Bromhead Christmas hurdle, um, as as it's now being renamed, um, would be would potentially be an option for him. But um, yeah, winning the grade two was a, was a big job done for him now. Um, um, well, yeah, and and after that's a bonus. It's easy to be dismissive of you know of, of the price and the performance, but and I and I think the second, third, and fourth all probably you know pretty much delighted connections as well to varying degrees. But you look at that stairs hurdle division, nothing really scares you. And I, I know you've got maybe the likes of Blazing Coal could be the coming force in that division, but. You know, there's nothing really much to scare you there. So, yeah, may, maybe maybe that is a little bit dismissive. But it's, it's well, it'd be, a, it'd be, it'd be, it's, be one of those, TC, in a stairs hurdle, if he was within four lengths of them turned in, you'd be going, oh, yeah, here we go. Like, this could happen. But you'd just be worried that he could have found his way back through the field at that point a bit. Like, bit like it's the kind of horse that's going to be 50-plus win-only exchange on the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I, I, mean, I wouldn't you, be dismissive. You've mentioned there that you couldn't, you know, the second, third and fourth might be pleased with their horses, but connections will be pleased. But are you really chuffed with Bob Ollinger at this point? Like really from like the height that he's fallen from, he's been beaten by home by the league, back over hurdles. Yes. Okay. Fitness. He's going to clearly improve for the run, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, he traded at 50 to one on in running. Yeah. That was, you know, his race for the winning on all yeah, the, the, the winner. Yeah, the winner traded at thousand. I think someone got 
one pound thirty nine thousand. So there well, I'm just saying that, like, what, like, are they, uh, Kevin? Are they happy with Bob Ollinger now? What do they do with him? Where do they go with him? I now? thought they'd be very happy, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, well, look, as as Henry said himself, like, if Home Lee had, had had stayed in bed uh, on Sunday morning, like Bob Ollinger would have won by ten lengths, and you know, you'd be, you know, a floor and porter inside of Burley, well back, you'd be, you'd be happy enough. Like, I, like, I don't want to knock him too much. Like, I was very concerned with him. Even at Cheltenham last year, I know he won, but the way he went through that race, like he wouldn't have been too pleased. He just didn't look himself. And then he obviously went to Punchestown and was pulled up and had an issue. So I, I thought he ran perfectly fine, to be honest. Like, like as mentioned, the winner, you know, is, is not the type that's going to be given credit, but he is a good 150 plus horse. And okay. Bob Ollinger has 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 travelled great through the race. Looked like he was going to go and win, and just got outstayed late on. They go again. Like, what? Where do you want to end up with him? Like, do you go up and trip down and trip? I'm not sure. He, I, I never thought he ever looked lacking in pace to me. But I think they seem more inclined towards the Sayers Hurdle route. Um, if you're mine, I, 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 to be honest, I'd probably drop him to two and a half to two or keep him at two and a half and just focus on getting him to finish out his race good and strong rather than kind of re-exploring three miles, but that's just me. But look, he's, he's he's finished out his race reasonably well. I know traded 50s on, people will perceive it as being a weak finish. I don't think it was. I think the, the winner's a very powerful stare. And um, and Bob beat the rest by a long way. So you'd be okay. happy enough. Of course, you wanted to win, but you'd be happy okay. enough, I think. Um, quick mention to Amez Allen back at Cheltenham on the Friday when the Ballymore Novices hurdle. A lot of people taken with this horse. Uh, Betfair Racing Ambassador, of course, Paul Nichols, just couldn't be in better form, really. 45% strike rate at the moment after the weekends. And um, Connections, rightly so, very excited about this horse, Kev. He's been cut for all sorts of, well, for the Ballymore and the Albert Bartlett. The Ballymore is the shortest price at 8-1 to one off the back of that performance. But um, people seem to get quite excited about this, this horse. Yeah, sure. Look, and what's there to knock? Like he's a, he's a winning point of pointer. You know, he ticked all those boxes, made three hundred and fifty grand, bolted up in a in a small race at Stratford, and this this was a bigger test. And like he very much came up to it. Like he loved the way he did it. Kind of jumped out, made the running, pricking his ears all the way. Um, lovely, efficient, measured hurdler. Um, travel best, put the race to bed. Um, but look, it's always like you sound like a broken record at times, and um, you, you just wonder about the depth in behind him. You know, I know he beat, he beat one of Gardens and, and Bristol um, was further back and forth, but, um, you know, Willie's going to have a dozen better than Habrisco, isn't he? And he just, yeah. you, you want to see him again. Like, we, we, but the thing is, in the reality of the way the, the, this division and these races tend to play out, like we don't tend to find out answers to these questions until we get to March. And now, look, hands up. I was I was asking the same questions about Constitution Hill last year. You know, he was winning these races by a long way, uh, and and my view was, geez, that maybe we don't get too carried away because we we don't know if he's beaten a whole lot. This could be you know Metier all over again, horses like that. But um, like he, he's clearly very promising, but. You know, you, you want to see him in, in deeper company before you really jump aboard. But look, the tools appear to be there. It's just a case of how much, how deep the ability is. And until he meets better, more established opposition, it's probably going to be harder to put your finger on it. OK, um, I suppose we should mention a couple of other horses from Cheltenham before we move on to the news and views section. Um, obviously, GA Law winning the Paddy Power Gold Cup feature race of the weekend. But heartbreak for Dan Barber followers on Racing Only Better with French Dynamite. It was his nap at the weekend. He made he was so keen on him and he did plenty right, except maybe the jump at the last, but got outstayed. Was it outstayed, Tony, by GA Law in the end? Yeah, probably. Oh, I'd say, I'd say if, if Dario O'Keefe had his time again, he would have waited a little bit longer. Um, that's that's I know he hasn't really kicked on until the second last, but I'd say. If he had it again, he would have waited a bit longer, maybe. Um, pro- probably been ultra harsh, but look, and these top handicaps margins are, are are slim enough. And of course, look, if he, if he jumped the last clean, he might have won. But yeah. um, I'd say he would have loved to have been delivering at the last rather than um, having arrived there and gone on a few lengths. And I like to move it in the great woods, obviously back on track. It's his time of year, it seems, for Nigel Twist and Davis's yard. But there was plenty of other points around that race, which we'll get to in due course with the low sun issue and uh, the drifter in the market as well. Is there anything else you want to flag up from the weekend, TC, before we move on? No, I just thought, I mean, they're talking about going to the international with 
the winner there. And I'm not surprised because I think the handicapper is going to absolutely murder him, isn't he? He beat Jim Coco five and a half, and I think it was another 13 lengths back to the third. So I think they're probably looking at a, a 155 rated horse after that. So yeah, um, I think they have to go up into to grade two company. I think the, I think the internationals are grade two. Not yeah. not to be a, not to be a picky Peter now, but God, you, you you'd be worrying about the depth here. Like this didn't look like a great foot herd, really, did it? Like it was kind of down to two turning in. You know, you, you look back through the, the finishing positions, like, and you know, you, you, you have seven to one, six to one, ten to one, six to one, all finishing out the back of the telly. Like, you know, the, this race has gone to bits a little bit. Um, and like I say, like there's only two can win from turning in, and that's not a great foot hurdle, really, like we know them. Um, even with less hurdles to jump, you think I would have made it more competitive. I know but... we lost three because of the, the ground, but a 13 run a great wood hurdle is, is equally as worrying, isn't it? Uh, as a as a yeah, what, it, it is. You're right. Is, that is private uh, And just just very quickly before we move on, um, does take uh, we'll come to the low sun and the taking out hurdles. I was having a discussion with this with someone yesterday. Does taking out all the hurdles? Does that make it a greater or a lesser test of stamina? I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. Oh, lesser uh, test of stamina. Lesser, yeah, in ter- lesser test. In, yeah, lesser in terms of the lesser, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think the vast majority of people would have said it made it a greater test of stamina. But right, because you go quick, you go, you go quicker. But I say, I say, with the exertion you use to jump, I'd say would would put a greater emphasis on stamina to the overall test would be my view, but it's not something no. I thought deeply about, but no, it was my first impression. Chat about it. We couldn't get our head around it. <laughs> oh, you've gone, you've gone far away in a Vanessa. Oh, you're back now. Sorry. Yeah. Hello. Am I? Am I still there? No, back. Um, yeah. I was just going to say beautiful segue has been brought up now. So let's move on from away from the racing and onto issues uh, from the week. And of course, the low sun was one of the biggest issues that Cheltenham faced this weekend. And we've had a whole host of questions on this um, in terms of the emitting of obstacles because of the low sun. The likes of Alex, James Kelly, Dave, Gareth Owen, Felix, Elliot Berry and Stuart Akister have all sent in really good questions. But Ian Bent sent the question in, which I suppose we can start the discussion off with, TC, which was, why can't race courses have a jockey rep, former jockey or current one not riding that day, to advise on issues like low sun, to avoid the ridiculous situation of them waiting for the jockeys to get to the start and then discuss it whilst the race jockeys are in parade ring slash down at the start. This would enable races to go off on time and jockey rep can advise the jockeys of the situation when they get down to the start. Basically, it was a farce at the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's any number of uh, issues there as, as some of the questions, maybe we'll, we'll pull up some other questions as well. But yeah, he makes a very good point. I mean, I didn't watch ITV racing on Sunday. Well, I was flicking between rugby and various other things. But Richard Richard Halls has got a real bee in his bonnet about this. I saw a I saw a, a minute clip. Uh, it was clipped up on Twitter about this, and Ruby chimed in as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems to you know Ruby was the opinion it should be the clerk of the clerk of the course's call. Um, obviously, he wants the, the participants in that particular race to be making the decision for him. But it, it is a bit farcical when you have a situation whereby you know it's, there wasn't a cloud in the in the sky all day, and everyone knew it was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean that that question. You know, it's a very very good solution, isn't it? I mean, providing all the jockeys have the trust in the designated rider, mm. uh, which that that could be part of the you know that could be you know a big part of the discussion. Then yes, send someone down 10, 5, 10, 15 minutes before the race, and also, and we all know. A lot of the a lot of the betting goes on in the ten minutes before immediately before the race. If people know that you know, if you've got an ex chaser in that Great Wood Hurdle or or, or something, you know, as a bad jumper, it could massively affect your your you know your uh, your view on the race. And and look, we we had questions in about why why they can't take out the actual hurdles so they don't have to swerve in and out of the uh, of the you know of the of the sideline hurdles. There's am any I, number I, of things. 
Am I right in saying the answer to that, Kevin? And I, this is just something that's come to my mind. Isn't that because the the when you hammer the hurdles in, yeah. the holes they leave the, the holes, ground, yeah, yeah. In, so I I have a better solution to this problem. You can fill fill holes in. You put sand on the course all the time, etc. I, I, I have a much simpler solution to this whole issue. Just to sure. stop omitting obstacles altogether for the low sun. They, they don't do it in France. You know, they don't close down motorways when there's a, a low glare and sun. It's not very comfortable, but you just kick on. Um, I'm clearly not a jockey. Um, I just can't help but think the thing is quite overblown. You know, and, and from a jockey's point of view, if you're in, in terms of get, getting input from the riders, if you're on a dodgy jumper and there's a low sun, <laughs> all of a sudden the lads riding the dodgy jumpers will be complaining the moan and saying, oh, lads, you have to one, miss. Oh, I can't see a thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's that I tricky know. thing where I, 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 I think similar to you, Kevin, but then I'm not a jockey and a jockey could stand here now and say, okay, Vanessa, you go down to a hurdle when you can't see it on a, on a green jumper at 20 miles an hour and you jump it. Like, and I'd say, no, thanks. So it's that, it's that awkward thing where if, if you're not a jockey, you don't know what the situation's like. And then like you say, Kev, if you are a jockey and you're on a bad jumper and they say to you, what do you want to do, lads? And you look down at your horse and you think, geez, I'd rather jump a few less hurdles on this fella. You're going to go, let's admit them. You just are. Well, like, I would well, too. Look, I, I know it always sounds, it does, it sounds, it always sounds like you say a bit, a bit funny coming from a non-rider, but uh, just point to France. I, I, I'm open to correction now, but I, I don't think they do it in France at all. And they have a lot of jump races over that. there. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I, I don't think they do it in France. But you ride horses uh, at home, Vanessa, don't you? I mean, is there some, when you've ridden horses at home, I don't know if you jump fences and the like. Yeah. But surely there must be times where it's a really brilliant, bright, sunny day. Uh, do you ever get blinded by the, you know, by the sun when you're at home? Yeah, I suppose you do, but it's limited experience for me. But there's definitely been times where I've gone cross country and I'm, you know, in the setting sun, you're going cross country and you're cantering to whatever you are. And you think, oh, geez, I can't quite see this. But for some reason, the horse can see it much better than I can. And as long as you can see a rough outline, then I don't know. Like it, I, I tell you the other the other comment on that, TC, and you're so right, is, you know, I, I'm from an eventing background and have evented, three-day evented, and you never, ever don't go cross country because of low sun ever mm. you don't like i've never like, that just wouldn't happen like i think like we we can't we can't see what the horses see you know their eyes are, are, are structurally different to ours like they might have no issue with a low sun as such you know no. i know the, the riders will say they need to see but you, like you can see we've all driven in, in on glary days like you, you, it's reduced it's a bit uncomfortable but you can still drive your car up a motorway at 80 mile an hour you know Last question uh, on this, but just a quick answer from you, please, TC. I thought Gareth Owen's question of should bookmakers give punters the option to tick a box on their bet slip, which voids the bet if hurdles or offences are taken out. That way, the punter has the option before the bet is placed. In an ideal world, but imagine the tech that you'll need to do that. For, for oh, a mass, massive pain in the arse. Wouldn't, just wouldn't happen. No, Okay. But it's, it's reasonable, though, because it completely yeah. can, can completely change the complexion of the race, you know, from a from a betting point of view, from every point of view, and it's not like you can argue, you can argue that it's not it's not right that races proceed, especially when they, they go heavy on the dolls and there's like a whole bunch of obstacles taken out, as we occasionally yeah. see. Like that's is that fair? Is that right? No, I don't think stop, so. Just stop, just stop admitting that. Yeah, um, we, we last, had it to a different degree at Sandown, didn't we? On the other Sunday, when they took out nine of the 17 fences because of the ground. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, it's, it's not a sun issue. It's, last quick mention in news or views section, because we have got some really good questions to get to on this show, and we want to give them the time they deserve. But the last quick mention, Kev, just more news filtering through around Christoph Sumiar and the case with pushing Rosser off the horse. Um, I haven't really been across this. Just expand on what's happened this week with that. Subsequent inquiry there, it's been referred on to, um, uh, inverted commas, the, the kind of the gambling police as such, and, and they're, they're investigating and there's potential for his, his punishment to be increased. Um, seems a little bit bizarre. They obviously do things a little bit differently over there. Um, as we discussed at the time, I think the, the fairly unanimous view of this of, of our crew was that the punishment was sufficient, heavy, fair, 
etc. So yeah, we'll, 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 it'll be a case to watch this space and see what they come up with. But if you're um, if you're Christoph Sumian, you're enjoying your two month holiday. All of a sudden, you're like you're starting to get a little bit worried that there might be an even bigger sting to uh, to come. Right, let's kick on with some good questions we've got then, guys, because the first one is a very uh, yeah, it's an issue that got thrown up this weekend in and around the Thousand Tears situation in the Great Wood Hurdle. Um, Lee Medhurst has sent us a question. Thousand Tears back through the week, drifting from Saturday night and pulled up to, after two hurdles. As a fan of National Hunt, it looks awful. Any excuses? Well, Emmett Mullins has come out and said that the horse basically pulled himself up and he can clearly be a bit quirky. But what was your viewing of this, Kev? Um, yeah, look, I, I take issue with some of the way it's being positioned, like in terms of being back through the week. Like these anti-post markets are so light. Like he, he, he was... How well back was he? Probably not very well backed. He ended up then when the, when the betting got a bit more serious, he was obviously in price very conservatively. And um, and he clearly wasn't fancied. He drifted like a barge and uh, and ran poorly. Um, looks awful. Um, these things, I suppose, always look more awful when it's a when it's a set of connections that I suppose are are, are um, have landed a touch or two in the past. And their their runners are always kind of framed in that context. But um, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Look, they didn't put the horse in fourth to one. I wasn't there doing. And right. if the market if the market adjusts accordingly you know i think people i think people can often read too much into early moves in markets because they're they're very very light and yeah. you know you see market support they get flagged up as market movers people make assumptions it's not like the old days you know where, where early market moves you could associate them with being probably fancied etc whereas now it's just all things don't get serious until late so look 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 it didn't look great um, the, the stewards asked their questions um, connections have been open afterwards in, in speaking about it uh, didn't look great but god you, you'd find you'd find a lot worse cases than that would be would be my view I know people would rather you throw stones okay. and, and go mad in cases like this but yeah not for me okay um, TC Stephen has asked as a jockey slash trainer combination who are notorious for blasting off in front can anyone explain the thought process behind the tactics from the skeletons aboard Midnight River in the Paddy Power on Saturday. Most definitely the horse to take out of the race going forward. Even Harry thought so with a couple of pats on the neck he gives him after crossing the line, knowing he came from an impossible position. Can you explain the tactics? Yeah, it's a very, it's a very versatile horse. His previous start was held up. Um, quite a few of his best performances have been held up. He has gone from the front in the past, but no, I, I don't know where he's coming from there. Um, no, it, it ran a very promising race. I don't think it was a very strong handicap, but it ran a very promising race. But, you know, that run style is entirely legitimate. I mean, yeah, I, I, okay. I disagree totally. I haven't seen enough, um, enough volume of evidence yet now, but I just, I've had a thought now a few times in the last few weeks that, that Harry might be consciously riding with a little bit more patience than, than I suppose that that team and, and he has been associated with over the years um look early days but it's just it's just something I've made a mental note of to keep my keep an eye on myself um okay. and mm. um yes. Vaughan Lewis has asked poor old Al Rock running in his 23rd race in in the 2023 2022 in the Southern National just the week after pulling up in the beacher do we need some sort of rules to limit horses being overrun, Kevin? I think we need some rules to make horses run more often. <laughs> the, the, way, uh, the way National Hunt Racing is going at the minute, uh, and this is a clearly an extreme example, and I am jesting, but uh, look, it, it, these, there is no rule in place. Um, who's this, who, who would anyone be to limit a horse to, you know, to, to, to place that sort of restriction on? And does it seem extreme? Yes. Um, but if the horse is is happy and healthy, and, and you know, do they have to be competitive to justify it? I don't think the the rules. I think it'd be unreasonable to put a rule in there to on, on that front. But um, yeah, they can they can do what they like. It's, I dare it's say. not a, uh, it's yeah. not a good look. I mean, they're you know that's an eleven year old uh, the horse in question. Just had a look at the Wilson's horses who've now got the David Pipe. I mean, he's had six horses that run in double figures this year and. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you'd think some, you know, you know that the horse in question has won four times this year, but his, his form's really tailed off, and you just think he, you know, you give it a break and run it in more realistic races, wouldn't you? But yeah, I, I don't think he's a great look. One for you, TC here, the weatherman that you are these days. Flagship Two UK has asked an interesting few weeks of weather and tracks. What should courses do? Or do we have to accept that they are damned if they do and damned if they don't with watering? Yeah, I, I really think, well, obviously we had a lot of non-miners at Cheltenham and I think as long as we get accurate going descriptions and, and quite clearly, even though they watered on the Friday and Saturday night, quite clearly a lot of trainers thought the ground at Cheltenham was much quicker than the official uh, description of good. Um, you know, I've got, look, it's, they're damned, they are damned if they do and damned if they don't and you know, Ascot at the moment for the weekend, you know, they've got some big races. And in, in fact, none of their big two graded races have, have attracted, you know, even 10 runners. So it's a it's an old age problem. Uh, Ascot on Saturday is currently good, uh, good to firm in places. There are is rain forecast, but if they don't get the rain, they're going to have to water to try and hold up those field sizes. It's, it's just the way of the world, isn't it? And it's annoying if you've got a fast ground horse, but... You know, we just have to do everything we can to, you know, you know, not to have these fields decimated by by quick going. And you know, in an ideal world, just let nature take its course. But you know, the reality is that we need to attract as many runners to races as, as possible, and that entails watering. Um, I don't know which of you two are best placed to answer this, but David Johnson's next question is quite an interesting one. The winner of the Sussex National Slipaway turned up for his second preference entry rather than his first preference, the three-mile, three-furlong race at Cheltenham. As Cheltenham went ahead and was always likely to, how was this possible and should it have been? Should it have been? Yeah, I, I tipped him for Cheltenham. <laughs> I didn't even consider that he wouldn't line up. First preference was always going to go ahead. And uh, yeah, non-runner goes and wins elsewhere. But a funny one, like if... If um, you wouldn't like to see it become commonplace, because if people can effectively, you know, double deck and and pick and choose, it's, I don't think it's good for anyone. Um, so I don't know what the, the ins and outs of, of what's allowed by the yeah. rules, but yeah, uh, I, I know the horse reasonably well. I mean, Nico de Boinville was going to ride it up in the Badger Ales or Badger Beers, whatever it's called now. Uh, they pulled it out because of the quick round there, and I imagine. Coming back to my earlier question and answer, uh, I imagine Ben Pauling thought the ground was quicker than the official good at Cheltenham, so he went to Fogwell. Uh, you know, to be fair to the stewards, they pulled him in and they and they gave Ben Pauling a twelve hundred quid fine, which is not inconsiderable. Wow. So, okay. to answer David's point, you know, the stewards did take a dim view. Fair um, enough. Um, okay, a few others to get through before the end of the show. Jared Ryan has asked one for Kevin. Why would you not run a top, top bumper horse, e.g. Fasal Vega, at top staying flat races? Less risk, hurdles entirely unknown. Appreciate that most prefer soft ground, so the Australian market out, but still high-value races, Cadran, Ledger. I thought this about Dunguin. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, but um, they'd get lapped. Um, is the quick answer. Um, look, you always find the exception. Rite of passage is the one people would bring up, obviously. Um, won, a, won a gold cup at Royal Ascot, having been a very good bumper horse. But um, I had a, a little little giggle around there for the, for the crack this morning. Like, I, think that, I think the record time for the champion bumper at Cheltenham is something like 3.43. And like the standard time for something like a Goodwood Cup over, over pretty much the same trip would be like 3.30. You know, right. you're, you're talking, it's there'd be a fair old golf there generally. And look, I know generally you're dealing with better ground and the flat, etc. But I think if the if the if the best bumper horse around regularly turned up and tried to become a, a top flat horse, you'd have very, very few of them would be um would would be up to it. Um okay. right of passage was a was a real exception there. Well, he so. okay. back in the day, didn't they? Morris and, and, and I suppose like, bear in mind, right of, right of passage was a flatbread, like he was by Giants Causeway, so that, that probably helped his cause. Uh, let's keep moving because we've got good questions. Uh, Morris O'Mahoney Mahoney, um, <laughs> has asked some reports that some of the Irish racecourses aren't happy with the deal with RMG for rights. Is the door still slightly ajar for Sky Sports Racing or is it a done deal? Also, do any of the broadcasters have an interest in the rights for the racing in Japan? 
Yeah, Ari, the, the track's not been happy. That, that's not a new thing as such. There would have been, like, it, it was raised in the uh, at one of those Oireachtas committees over the summer where questions were asked whether the, um, obviously on behalf of some of the smaller tracks, that whether the, the deal was fair, that the support of the smaller tracks were getting um, fairly paid for their media rights. And I suspect what, what this, it was an Irish story in the Irish Times that prompted this there um, last week. And I suspect um, that they're probably still not happy. But look, in terms of it being a done deal, um, RMG, um, RMG, SIS have been given preferred bidder status. and They've now got to go to the race courses and, um, and hammer out a deal. So unless um, the, these issues cause um, some sort of a breakdown in those negotiations, it, you know, it'll, it'll probably get done. But um, it isn't done till it's done. So we'll wait and see how it pans out. Gareth Deacon has asked, do we overcome complicate things with handicap rating systems for a beginner to understand is there merit in mark johnson grading system and similar to dogs know they've got issues in brackets listening and similar to the dogs listening to a lot of betting experts they seem to think weight is irrelevant and is class of race kevin uh no tc you can have that one any betting experts who says weight doesn't matter is talking out their ass aren't they um (laughs) And talk about Mark Johnson, he'd have a he'd have a heart attack if you said you can can race horses more than 50 times a year, let alone 23, wouldn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's a very broad question, that isn't it? And no, I, I don't buy the premise that white weight doesn't matter. And I don't think anybody okay. serious would. Yeah, look, look I, I can see what he's saying in that. I think class of race is is probably more significant. Like obviously a, a two-pound swing that brings you from one class to another is 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 more relevant than a two-pound swing within a class. I'd, I'd agree with that. But, you know, to say it's irrelevant, I wouldn't agree with that. Could you make the system simpler? Probably. But I, I am fond of the, the handicap rating system myself. I'd be, uh, I'd be sad to see it go. Um, the parade ring has asked, probably one for Kevin. Are there concerns within the industry about the future of state funding under the Sinn Féin government? It was mentioned a bit in the mainstream media here this week, and I guess it will at least come under increased scrutiny. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, they've made some, uh, Sinn Féin, this is, have made some some fairly sparky comments about the, the level of funding for Irish racing before. So if they did get in, and uh, yeah, it, is, it is a possibility if you follow Irish politics, um, there would be some concerns there. Um, what he refers to there, um, in terms of there was some media coverage there in the last week that I was nearly fit to put my head through a wall listening to it. You've got Paul Murphy there from um, People Before Profit going on the radio making some absolutely ludicrous arguments about the, the funding of, of Irish racing and, and the investment they get from the Irish government. Um, it was great to hear... Um, Charlie McConnellog, um, Minister for Agriculture, go on and, and take him on basically and um, illustrate how much um, rubbish he was talking. But then, of course, having been, having been put back in his box, I thought fairly firmly, Murphy then goes on another radio station a few days later and makes the exact same <laughs> stupid points that have been utterly, um, utterly torn to bits a few days earlier. So, look, politicians still um, low hanging fruit, point scoring, etc. But um, yeah, to the broader question. Uh, now, I can't help but think that if they did get in, you know, Sinn Féin have a crack at the the, the, the the what's perceived as a wealthy wealthy man's business, etc. I think when it comes down to it, and they looked at what the ramifications would be for a reduction in, in in investment from the Irish government into Irish racing, I don't think they would go at it in a big way because it's all well and good saying, "Oh, we'll give less money to horse racing," but then if if that then results in rural job losses. And, um, and horses leaving the country hand over fist because prize money's gone through the floor. I think the, the consequences would be far more damaging than any um, cheap points they gain by, by knocking the funding. Okay, and the final question, probably to you again, Kev. Um, Sudoku Jr. has asked, will Irish racecourses be adopting painting the obstacles white in line with the British racecourses? Obviously, that was introduced a few months ago over here. If painting white is for welfare grounds, then why the difference? Um, yeah, look, uh, the Irish, the, the IHRB, and that wouldn't be wouldn't be known for following the BHA um, too closely, at least. Um, yeah, you think they'd look at it, but look, they're they're not renowned for kind of being on the the cutting edge of uh, developments, even on something important like welfare. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what time brings, but I can't imagine it's too too high up their priority sheet at the minute. I'd, just, um, I'd be I'd be happy to be wrong and correct on that yeah. if need be. 
Just before yeah. we wrap up, man, I didn't have, have a line on a thousand, uh, thousand tears, but I think the most important part of that is that the stewards on the day ask the questions. Um, and I, like I said, I wasn't really watching racing religiously uh, on, on Sunday, but I gather ITV did uh, flag it up. Um, I'm not so sure racing TV did, but yeah. The important thing is the media do highlight these things and the stewards going to look. It's a consistent theme when, when we have these have these instances. If, if if it gets brushed under the carpet and not addressed by the media and uh, the stewards, that's when we really should be worrying. It, it was a bad look. Uh, it's never a good look when a horse drifts, a, drifts like that and runs appallingly. But questions were asked. It was, you know, it was brought to light. Then, then it, that's not, we can't really do much more than that. Okay. And then our final question can come to you, TC, because uh, I feel like this is your area of expertise. Paul has asked, what's that fluff hanging out the back of Rich Ritchie's hat? If it's a transplant, was Mouse Morris the donor? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, think Rich Ritchie's racing manager, Joan Jabers, uh, texted me about seven o'clock this morning and said, it's comments like that will make him even more dogged and determined <laughs> to keep it. So, yeah, <laughs> probably by highlighting that, you probably ensured it's going to be there for the next year or so. But, yeah, well, it's, it, an it's, it's quite like that. Do you remember there was a scene in Only Fools and Horses where Rodney had a, had a pretend ponytail and it came <laughs> off and, uh, and, his, and his girlfriend thought it was a mouse on the floor and stuff like that? So, yeah. <laughs> It's punchy. Uh, it's punchy. He's owning them. individual. He's been owning that look for a little while now. And yeah, now yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on. I thought something bad had happened, but uh, seemingly it's just a it's just a fashion route. He's decided to go down, and good on him. He's not, you know, he's not one to be normal, essentially. So yeah. <laughs> hey, look when you when you when you get to his position in life, there's a point where you just stop caring what people think, and you're just going to do whatever you want. <laughs> whatever right. makes you and feel I, good. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that position. I can't <laughs> yeah, wait me neither. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a great that. time. Strap him to the ride, and that happens. But um, look, guys, that wraps up the show. Uh, Rattle through all the weekend's action being very enjoyable, as always. Do join us again on Thursday for Racing Only Better, building up to a top-class weekend of sport with the Betfair Chase running on Saturday for the 18th time. Can't wait. But for now, thank you very much for listening, as always. Go and have a good week. <laughs>